0: the world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy let's dive deeper in four paws sports Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Mary Drexler, and as always, here is my partner, Jeff Neeter. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hey, yes. How's it going tonight?
0: And tonight we're going to do things a little differently because while I was being a big fat mom and not doing dog sports, Jeff was off in Tulsa running three dogs at the NAC. And so, Jeff, I wanted to ask you tonight about your experience in Tulsa and how it went with your dogs. First of all, tell me who you ran.
1: Well, I uh, brought three with me, as you said. I had Picks, uh, Papillon, and I had my two Border Collies. I have Nitro, who was my five and a half year old season, good old running pair of shoes to throw on and go and can trust to do anything. And then I had Nitro's son, uh, Kyber, who is really only, actually, I realized after this weekend that he's only been competing for about a year at this point. So uh, it was definitely a wild ride this year for uh one season dog and two completely green dogs going to a high pressure event like that. Cause we've been to the open, but I don't consider that to be nearly as pressured because it's just not cumulative like um, nationals at AKC is because the open has multiple finals and Nationals has one final, and that final happens to be live streamed on AKC TV, and it will be broadcast on ESPN. So there's a whole nother situation that I have yet to encounter, let alone any of my dogs ever getting to see that. Um, I think the closest I think uh, we've ever been to that situation was uh, Westminster three, three, four years ago, and Fox Sports was up there, but we happened to... Uh, get to take part of it, but we didn't get the full blown uh, TV crew there because they weren't doing it for finals. They were just getting it ready for uh, the other round. So unfortunately we didn't get to make it for the TV portion of it, but uh, yes, definitely for nationals, the finals was definitely a lot more pressurized than uh, what I had actually expected there, but lots of fun.
0: So, I mean, of course I'm cheating because I know the answer, but let's start <laughs> off with tell me how picks did.
1: All right, uh, well, uh, Picks, uh, it was not a great start on Thursday for us. Uh, Thursday was just warm-up run. It was just halfway, in the, halfway the day, and uh, basically you get 45 seconds to do what you want to do. You got one course out there. It's not judged. It's literally just run your dog on equipment, run your dog in sequences. Um, not a good start because it took me about three or four dog walks to get Picks to settle into a groove, and... Uh, it was definitely uh, definitely a little bit rough there. Um, but uh, Friday, Friday came around, um, a little bit better runs for Premier Standard starting there. And uh, he took a backside off the dog walk. He got a great dog walk, so I was thrilled with, thrilled with that. And then uh, took the backside jump there and a couple other errors. But, you know, overall for, you know, not even a four-year-old dog who's barely competed and really never been to this kind of a situation. I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations. So I was actually thrilled that, you know, we, he performed well and didn't, uh, didn't shut down. Uh, I was happy about that one. Um, and then later that day, we had the regular standard course, which, uh, it was a nice course, uh but it just wasn't in our cards for uh picks so uh picks had a couple faults, but we uh walked out with nothing for him for that day uh Saturday, however um it was a it was kind of a cluster for us because uh three dogs on Saturday were uh kind of conflicted all over the place there uh a k c had my uh, walkthroughs. Uh, at starting at 7 a.m. for Kyber in Ring 3, uh, 7.08 for Nitro in Ring 4, which 3 and 4 are in completely different buildings. Ring 3 is on one side of the building, and then Ring 4 was on the other side of the building, and then you had to go to the next building over. And then following that one, really fun, was uh, 7.16 a.m. where uh, Pix's uh, walkthrough was going to take place as well. And that was even another building after that one. So here I am hauling because uh, there was no breaks between uh, walkthroughs. So you had to plan as to do you sacrifice a little bit of time from one walkthrough to, get, to gain more time for another walkthrough or just to be able to even make your walkthrough in time? Do you leave a couple of minutes early to get there in time? So um, it was definitely a mind boggling because not only was I doing three separate dogs um, on Saturday morning, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. Uh, I also had to do jumpers for two dogs and hybrid for another one. So not only was I doing three dogs, I was doing two courses. So <laughs> definitely uh, definitely a bit of a, a mind-boggler there, trying to keep everything straight, which dog I had, which strengths I had to work with there. And, yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a rough start of the morning there. Um, so Picks, uh, you know, he did actually phenomenal in his jumpers run. Uh, we finished up and you know i didn't get to see the timer because the time had already they already started the next dog practice by the time i walked out of there and got a chance to even glimpse at the fact that hey i made a clean run and the fact that you know it was probably fairly quickly but fairly quick time but i had no idea what it was so by the time i walked back to my uh my stall and actually looked at his time um he was sitting in second place and he never deviated out of that placement and i was like Holy crap, you know, my little pappy on little eight inch dog who's never been to this uh, scenario. He just walked out second place. So I'm like, all right, you know what? If you don't do anything else, we can walk out second place. I'm, I'm happy there. Uh, sadly, though, that actually allowed him a chance to make it to Challengers for Sunday morning. Uh, but we needed a clean run out of Hybrid that afternoon. And uh, at that point, I had already had two dogs that had actually managed to make final so my tension of actually handling and being a little bit better kind of subsided just because I was just breathing a sigh of relief that I had made that far. Uh so Pix unfortunately kind of got the uh kind of got the shaft on that one sadly. Um I thought I was farther ahead than on the course than what I was, and this is why I preach to everybody, get video, because you will think you're something, and that video will prove that you are a 1,000% wrong. Uh, it turns mm-hmm. out that uh, we were probably, maybe I was maybe about a stride ahead of him, and uh, just like he did in my uh, premiere course, he did take an off course right off of the A-frame, and... Uh, from there, it was kind of uh, it was kind of game over at that point. But you know, I was super proud of that dog. Uh, so good, uh, good exposure for picks for sure.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, that's great. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if hybrid had gone a little better. But at least he was honest and doing his job. And you know, like you say, sometimes when you think where you are, and then you watch the video later, and you go, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, indeed, indeed, yes. The video the video never lies. And don't no. just get your friends' videos. Spend the money. Get the professional videos because <laughs> the professional ones are gonna give you the all the angles, the above angle, to tell you truly what did it see. Because you know, your friends are great for recording for you know memories, but if you want to do back go back and do analytics of your runs, I I prefer the professional ones.
0: Yeah. Well, and shout out to four legged flicks because they do a great job and you don't want to support them anyway, because that way they keep coming to these events and they're great yes. to work with. So,
1: yes, Chris. is so Four Legged
0: Oh, yeah, he's, he's the best. He really is. So. Let's go on to the the Border Collie boys. Um, <laughs> you already kind of gave a little teaser to that one, but. What uh, happened with them? Uh,
1: well, let's let's start back on uh, Thursday, uh, Kyber's dog walk. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, that thing fell apart on me. I could not believe how bad things fell apart. And this was actually going back two weeks prior to Nationals where nothing was working for his dog walk. And, of course, here I am. I only have about six days between the time I leave and by the time I got home from that last trial to actually uh, train. So here I am, you know, panic training and hoping for the best <laughs> at this rate, which it did uh, – did not go as expected there so it was kind of up to the agility guys at that point but uh so Thursday on his warm-up run um I literally did nothing but jump dog walk dog walk jump just to try to get it to uh pan out I think I literally counted myself doing 10 reps on that dog walk within 45 seconds so it was definitely uh non-stop and I finally at the very end when he finally gave me a good hit I go all right we're done moving on. I don't, I only mm. want to think about anything else at this point. So yeah, so uh, that was uh, Thursday for uh, Kyber. Uh, Friday, um, I really kind of got into a funk because uh, the premier course we should have had and sadly, he dropped the bar and it was probably my fault. I, I don't know. He might slip in the dirt. It, there's so many factors at Nationals. It's, especially when you're talking uh, non-artificial turf where there's not always a good grip surface. So I could have been a little bit ahead of them pushing a little bit too hard and you know, any number of things could happen. So he dropped the bar, um, but everything else was stupendous. I had no other issues with it other than, well, actually just came. We did have an off course tunnel after that teeter, but at that point I was just pushing just to see what else could break and you know, figure out what do I need to fix for the upcoming run? So uh, premier wasn't terrible. Just didn't have great results on paper, but, um, <laughs> Standard run, it definitely, uh, it took me a minute to get out of my funk, but uh, Standard was phenomenal. He took fourth place. He was running dog walk, actually two feet rear, down the yellow, not even a second of question. He handled like he'd been handling forever, and, yeah, that was just a dream run right there. I could not believe, like, going, wait, whose dog is this? This is not the dog <laughs> I thought I was going to get at this point. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, Friday, walked out fourth place in standard in 24-C. I was over the moon for his first time uh, first time ever at Nationals. He's already surpassed what his cats done at this rate. Um, so I was happy with that. Uh, Saturday rolls around. Uh, first run uh, after I do all the walkthroughs, I conflict all my dogs. I finally get my walkthroughs done. I finally get back up to the top. I maybe watch one or two dogs just to remember what the course was. Um, go back up, grab Kyber after watching his brother run, and then go get checked in. Go run, uh, Kyber and I laid down a phenomenal clean run for jumpers. It was it was spot on. Um, I might have been a little too tight on handling, but you know I just wasn't going to take things for chance. Um, so clean run there. Um, I think he ended up taking sixth or seventh place. I think out of the twenty that were there. So. Uh, so that was uh, definitely a perfect run. And then uh, Saturday, well, Saturday afternoon, about two o'clock, uh, finally got that uh, that hybrid run for him. And uh, he, again, laid down another phenomenal run. And uh, that one, while we ended up at six, uh, he was one of only three of the 19 dogs in 24C that laid down three perfect runs. So that leaves him in finals. And, uh, yeah, needless to say I was ecstatic for uh for that one. Um that only because of the fact that his dad, not only a few hours earlier, had already put the uh put the kibosh on his weekend and wound up in finals also. So there was definitely no pressure with uh with me and kyber to go ahead and finish up and uh meet him in finals as well. So definitely uh definitely some uh, fun times there on Saturday, uh, once we got done for the weekend. I think I breathed the biggest sigh of relief once I cut Kyber in the finals. I was like, oh, thank God. I have two dogs in finals, which, you know, there's not a whole lot of handlers that one handle multiple dogs, but two that actually have more than one dog actually go to finals. So I was like, you know what? That alone to me is a big accomplish there. Um oh, absolutely. but you know, not to uh not to despair Nitro um and kind of throw him off to the side, but uh Thursday Phenomenal starting off for warm-ups runs. He was the best one of all three of them. Uh, Friday morning, he was so close, um, but we got a little miscommunication there in Premier, and he uh, we had off-course. Uh, otherwise, perfect run there. Uh, that standard run, spot on, not even a doubt. If I ever have a bad day, I throw him in the ring, and that leaves me to have no doubts whatsoever the way uh, way he and I run. Um, of course, I do have to thank uh, Dr. Mara for uh, putting those boys back into shape before every run, uh, at the end of every day, did a lot of chiropractic work, a lot of laser therapy for me, so they, she kept them in great shape for me, so that made Nitro run just phenomenally, like he wasn't even 10 and a half, so it was great to see him run. Uh, Saturday, dog, man, he just ran phenomenally, because I had to run him in hybrid first, and Uh, He knocked out another top 10 placement run for hybrid there Uh, following up uh, later, I think maybe even two hours later at best um, had this jumpers run. And, you know, it was one of those runs where on the start line, I'm like, all right, dude, just get this. Let's just knock this out and we're going to finals. And sure enough, I feel like he heard me, read me and, that dog didn't have a foot out of place. So I was like, holy crap, that was probably one of the best runs that he's had at Nationals. Probably because I've had a little bit of seasoning since the first time we've right. ever, uh, ever did Nationals. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was just a phenomenal feeling to know that even before AKS even posted who's going to finals, I knew without a shadow of that, okay, maybe I have – a shadow of a doubt because the way the results were going, they were combining 16 preferred and 16, and all of a sudden, Nitro just started slipping farther and farther. We were, wait, 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 okay. mean, wait, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, by noon, I was like, okay, I know where he's at without a shadow of a doubt. At that point, I go, okay, I know Nitro's in the class. I have one dog, and I am for sure staying on Sunday, not packing up and going home. Right. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So, then,
0: how uh, can that- you? Like, tell me about. What that's got to feel like to have father-son duo, a dog you bred that you've known since it was a little lima bean and then dad by your side and been your buddy. And, you know, you and Nitro have had a pretty phenomenal career together. And like you say, the dog that just reads you. And then, I mean, that's got to feel a little extra special to have that, that combo going to finals.
1: Yes, that, I think, to me, touched me more than anything, more than just having two dogs, but to have father-son going to finals, having dad lead the way, and Kyber picking up the pieces and putting his foot into the ring. That was, to me, heartfelt and just a big accomplishment because Kyber is so green, unseasoned, and for him to take take his... Dad's place um, at 24C for the last year at Nationals. That was just phenomenal. And the best part is it's all live streamed. It was all, it's all recorded on ESPN now. And I'm excited to get to see how the footage actually turns out and get to see them with the close ups and all the camera angles. And for me, that's one thing on my bucket list is to be able to, weird saying it this way, but to immortalize my boys and TV forever. That's something I can sure. go back and for say, hey, you know what, my dogs were on TV. You know, it may not have been the yeah. best runs, but they got their chance to shine, and it's something that I got to fulfill for something that I've always wanted to do for my entire life since I've been doing agility. When uh, mainstream TV finally decided, to go, oh, we're gonna pick up agility as a as a, a spot of interest for everybody. But um, yeah, it was just it was great going to bed Saturday night knowing that. I get to take two of my boys that you know have been with me from from the get go, and get to walk in the finals. Not even have to get up early. That that was the biggest part. I didn't even have to get up <laughs> early on Sunday because <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to get everything put together. Oh, I was so tired because every morning it was five a.m. up, walk dogs, feed dogs, feed myself. That was important too. Um, no but um yeah the uh the camper did not go back together the way it was supposed to <laughs> um so that was uh i was so glad that i did not have to be over there at 9 a.m and get ready to run because that just was not in the cars at all so
0: uh yeah, yeah it
1: was kinda of nice just to not kind of take my time and get ready to go over there um but as far as finals go um I I you know what, we threw everything on the table. We left nothing we left we left nothing out there. It was all we threw it all down there and no regrets the way I handled anything. Um maybe for a little bit for Kyber. Not so much for Nitro. Nitro Nitro and I laid down a run that I I don't have any regrets about. Um he was spot on up until that wrap back from the jump back over to that final tunnel and I kind of let myself get a little over the top, like a holy crap, I am I'm at number like sixteen at this point. It's a simple rack back, a tunnel jump, an A-frame and a tire, and then you know, we're clean and we're out of here. And unfortunately I kind of forgot Nitro does not collect as much as he used to as an older dog now. So I kinda put a little too much pressure on his lines and he unfortunately dropped that bar, but you know what? He still ran perfectly at that point I didn't care I did I improved myself over the first time he made finals um, no off courses so I was like you know what I'll take it it was good clean run at that point I will I'll walk home with that with my head held high because he still walked out sixth place at that point and I just could not be more proud of that dog. He just he blew me away for being ten and a half and hanging there with, you know, I think he might have been one of the oldest dogs in the sixteen preferred at that point. I don't know the stats for sure, but kind of felt like it. So yeah, it was good times.
0: Well and like you said, you went out there and you left everything. I mean, you know, the difference between finals and a regular course is that on a regular course you have the app the option of being a little more relaxed, playing it safe, letting your turns be wider, letting, you know, not, not driving as hard, you know, doing some more things to try to just save a cue. But when you're running in finals, it's go big or go home, you know? And like you say, you don't want to go out there and run and yeah, maybe you play it safe and cue, but then you're going to be beaten by everybody that's going for it in cues. And so I thought that was really cool. You know, they go out there with two dogs and to watch you, you know, like I said, you gotta, you gotta lay it all down. And you know, when you're going that hard, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but right, at least you go
1: for right. it. At least you don't have the regrets later. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, speaking of no regrets, you know, with Kyber, you know, I was kind of going, all right, I'm seated second. So I've got four dogs in front of me here. I get a chance to watch all, everybody else and I'm going mm-hmm. all right I just need people to you know fault I need I need somebody to fall here before I get <laughs> to fourth place to make a determination of am I going big or go home or am I playing it safe to take the high placement or well let's put it this way that choice was taken out of my hands completely by the time it got to me because I had four runs that were uh, at least three of those four were fast, but all four were clean, mm-hmm. so yeah. at that point, I kind of looked at Kyber, and this is where the immature handler kind of came out in my aspect, and uh, <laughs> I looked at him and go, dude, it is all or nothing, man, there is there is no playing it safe, it's go big or go home, dude, lay the pedal on the metal at this point, so... Um, you know, he actually, I kind of set him up a little too cautiously at that start line because of that tunnel off course there. And he actually almost did not take that dog walk on me. So uh, at that point, I knew where I'm like, oh, we're already offline. We're going to be a little bit of trouble. And then he, uh, he unfortunately, his dog walk, uh, his issues came to fruition at that point in time. I'm like, I just said not had this, just give me a little <laughs> bit of a reprieve just for one last run. Right. Uh, I probably pushed him a little too hard instead of letting him just take it and just go with it. And then I uh that the weeple entrance there, I should have really been more aggressive with him instead of kind of kind of just chickening it out instead of actually just going for it. I chickened out and I should have been on that landing side of that jump. Before that uh, we polls because I had so much time now that I look at the video, but when you're there in real life at that very second, you don't think you have that much time and yeah, at that point it was just yep, it, you know, we had the refusal at the we polls, couple refusals and then um, other than that. Spot on run. Um, just those couple errors. And yeah, it was a good finals run to uh, end, uh, end the first year of his uh, full career there. So yeah, I, like I said, no regrets. I ran him as hard as I could. And I learned a lot about our team at that point as to are we ready to push that hard or do we still have some lessons to learn? And the answer is we still have lessons to learn. So <laughs> always learning. Never, uh, never, never know it all.
0: Exactly. Well, it gives you homework and we always should come away, whether it's a weekend trial or a big national event, we should always come away with some sort of homework. So, you know, but congratulations. I mean, what a great, what an awesome NAC to everybody. You know, two dogs make finals, another one places in a round. I mean, that's, that's a lot to be proud of. So, oh, and you survived sure. all I? those things and all weekend long and yeah. made it tough. <laughs> nobody oh, had to give indeed. you oxygen at the end. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Oh, man. Nope. No regrets. Love it. It was fun. Definitely enjoyed the weekend. Definitely glad to be That's fun, awesome. though.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and congratulations to everybody that, I mean, it was really exciting to watch finals, I was at home on my laptop at that point with dogs going, oh my gosh, agility's happening and getting all excited and really confused while they were excited about it in the living room. And it was exciting to watch. It's cool to watch all these good handlers, good dogs going for it. So kudos to everybody who is out there running at the end. And, and even if you just went and gave it a go, I mean, it it's a little intimidating to go to a big competition like that and go and give it your all and do it. And it's awesome. And I highly recommend anybody that qualifies go at least once. Cause it's a cool event.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the big things though, at the end for finals, and this is something that if you're at home or uh, you're not like really aware of how things run uh, finals used to be where there was no TV production. So it was, it was ran, just like any other run. It was, you know, yeah, they did a big kind of lead up to it. They did the big announcements, stuff like that. Um, And I only know that because Natural Made Finals four years, four or five years ago, and, um, yeah, we were there. We got to experience that part. But this year um, was really different for us because we – it was pretty much right after we stopped doing Nationals, uh, ESPN came out, signed contracts with AKC, and uh, they started – you know, streaming it and broadcasting it for us, and uh, unless you're there, you don't realize the amount of TV time and production time that goes into making that last round work. We started at one o'clock. We did not, I don't think, because Kyber was second to last. We didn't run until almost five thirty. So, four and a half hours to run, not even. I don't know. It was probably maybe a hundred dogs, maybe 120 dogs. So four and a half hours. That means we were running maybe 30 dogs an hour. Uh, so it was very long because there was the TV breaks, the commercial breaks for all the sponsors. Um, as my friend Roxanne said, the kiss and cry moments after the, uh, after the winners of each height, they um, got to do their interviews. So it was just, there was a, so much pausing and, You have to be able to withstand that time because uh, Lisa, who's one of the reps for AKC was the guardian of the gate and she had her headset on. And until ESPN told her, you know, let the next dog go in for, uh, for their lead up shot. uh, You were not walking in there until they let you go in. So it was definitely out of my norm because if anybody knows me both as a judge and a competitor uh, as a judge, I'm like, all right, let's go get in the ring. We need to keep going, keep the day going. And as a competitor, By the fourth or fifth last obstacle, unless there's an issue with the course, I'm already in the ring with my dog ready to go. So for me, it was very weird to have to go. I have to wait till they tell me to go in. But the nice part is they do say, take your time, warm up, get yourself ready to go like it's any other normal run. It's just you're Mm going to be delayed by getting in the ring. So it was just a weird experience for me. But, you know, it was fine. It worked out great. But just extremely slow, though.
0: Yeah. Well, I noticed that just watching at home it was like, why in the world is it taking so long? You know, they ran all the preferred dogs and then there was this huge break and I was going, well, what in the world? And then I think I texted you and said, what is going on? And you're like, oh, they're waiting for TV. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> well, because I did all the preferreds and then they stopped everything. And then they walked all the uh, regular dogs. So there were two walkthroughs. Um, and then you had the two different types of runs there. So at least for Nitro, I actually got his own walkthrough. For Kyber, I got his own walkthrough. So uh, it was definitely a welcome approach to it. Because I just can't imagine actually trying to do finals with two dogs and only getting the one walk. So it was definitely sure. you know, it was a nice change.
0: That is nice. That is nice. Well, shifting gears a little bit. Um, because one thing that... You can't help but notice as a competitor or a spectator at things like the NAC or the Invitational is there's a certain piece of equipment that you normally see in a standard course that isn't thicker. Hmm. hmm. Jeff, what, what piece is. of equipment might that be?
1: Uh, it has four legs and it's not a dog.
0: <laughs> it does not bark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that would be the table um something that has been up for discussion amongst competitors for years at this point i mean it's been at least for five six years that i'm aware of and um anybody who follows me on facebook knows that uh, not that long ago i started the not the debate but the just kind of seeking information as to how many competitors actually agree that it's time for this archaic piece of equipment to go the way of the shoot um and for me, I am absolutely on board. It's time for it to go. It has served its purpose from back in the you know 90s when we started agility, in the 2000s when dogs weren't quite that fast. But we're no longer looking for obedience to be part of agility because agility is all about speed and control. And there are already several other control points in an agility course. You know, you have the start line. That's the biggest first control point right there is can you have a start line and can you do a lead out? If you do, congratulations. You have you have your start line. You have control of your dog. I don't know why we need to display that on a piece of equipment by having you jump up and – you know, just stay on there. Um, you have the contacts. You have three other points in the course that you can stop your dog, two on, two off. You can hold that. There is no rule that says that you only have two seconds to have them on there. You can keep on there as long as you want. So you have three control points there. So I'm not sure what purpose the, the table even presents anymore um, to agility. So I mean, well, I like I, you know, I'm older than you
0: by quite a bit and I was Not back. in the
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> You don't need to score brownie points. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, when I started doing agility, it was an extremely different animal. I mean, and I did both AKC and UKC agility back then. And we had, Things like, you know, the sway bridge and the, the ever popular sit, jump, sit. And, you know, when you were jogging around the ring with your dog, essentially in sort of a loose version of heel position, and you were super advanced, if you could run around the ring with your dog, either on your left or your right side. In fact, my mom reminded me today as we were kind of reminiscing the olden days of agility, that there was one time I was showing my border collie, who was the first dog I titled in agility and I did a front cross and the whole place went, Ooh, I mean, (laughs) in that context or like if you ever go and you look up old videos of like AWC back from the nineties or something like that, I mean, agility was a, even at the highest levels of the sport was an extremely different animal and i'm also going to preface this by saying i have literally never had a dog with a table problem i have never had a dog i have been lucky i've never had a dog get hurt on the table i've seen dogs get hurt on the table i've never had one of them i've never had a table problem i'm not saying i've never had a table fault i have but i've never had an issue like my dog is scared to get on my the table or my dog refuses you know back when you had to be either in a sit or a down when that you know, when the judge would tell you at the walkthrough what what it was on the table. I've never had a dog. Like I've never had a problem, you know, and I look at it and I go, this is, this is a holdover. This is, this is a dinosaur from when agility was a completely different animal than it is now. And I, I say, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm still like, well, gosh, it doesn't need to be here anymore. And like you say, if you need to rest and I get it, like I'm not so young as I used to be. And sometimes you feel a little puffy trying to get around the course, (laughs) but you know, like you say, you can train to stop contact. You can even stop your dog as long as you're not too close to the next obstacle and lead out again or reset yourself again without penalty. So you know, maybe it's time to look at that and go, oh, gosh. And the biggest thing is, I guess, as I've seen several dogs either misjudge the table or not collect well enough for the table and smack into it or slip getting up on the table. I've seen that several times too. And gosh, I just hate to see a dog getting hurt to do an obstacle I mean, I hate to see a dog getting hurt to do any obstacle, but when you have something like that that really doesn't seem to fit with the general theme of what agility is anymore, you really hate to see him get hurt in something like that
1: well absolutely uh, and not only just you know slamming into the front side of it, but you know sometimes it's an unforeseen approach. To the table because of something goes wonky, but they could also approach it from a corner and hit themselves square in the head on the corner there. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Not only that, but if we look at some of the big dogs, let's take Great Dane for instance. You know, one of the biggest dogs out there doing agility. There's not a lot of them, but for instance, you know, because there's so many types of tables, there's so many different frames. Um, You know, the ones that actually have four legs. Those are almost impossible to actually bag. You can't actually you know bag the frame to actually keep them safe because they're just legs um, mm-hmm. and then let's look at the p v c frames. Those are able to easily roll if you don't have enough weight but then again, what's a great day weight you know it's definitely in the triple digits most of the time, so unless you're putting four sandbags on the side that's going to be opposite of which way they may be pushing the table to roll.
0: Well, and I agree. I mean, to me, it's a little bit along the lines of if I'm running agility outside and I'm on one side of the course and on the opposite side of the course, the wind blows a bar down. Well, th- right. that's not... Only at least if the wind blows the bar down, that's not putting my dog's safety in jeopardy. Whereas wow. if my dog is on the table and it the table tips or moves or whatever, that can hurt my dog. And, you know, I just... You know, obviously, when you're doing an athletic event, you're always going to have some injuries. Like, I don't care whether it's a dog sport or a human sport or a horse sport or whatever. You know, you're working hard. You're going fast. You're putting out extreme effort. Accidents happen. And you're never going to get rid of them all because they're accidents. But it seems like you can do the best you know how to keep things as fair and safe as possible. And I mean, how often do you? I mean, I know I watch a fair amount of agility and I know I see a fair amount of dogs hit the table awkwardly, but I obviously don't see as many different dogs. You know, I'm pretty much seeing the same dogs run week in and week out because, you know, people tend to go to the same trials in their area. You travel all over as a judge. What do you see as far as, you know, is it, do you see dogs fairly regularly have, some hairy moments on the table or is it something that you find that's more rare?
1: Um, You know, it's kind of a toss up. It depends on the area and how many green dogs have started showing up. Of course, you know, if you have your seasoned dogs that have seen the table weekend and week out, sure. They're probably the ones that have maybe the 1% chance that's going to be the issue there because it's just something funky in the course. They slip while they're getting on top of it. Or, you know, they fly super fast because, as a judge, I will admit, there has been one course that I built that had dog walk the table. And I thought, you know, as a judge, oh, hey, you know, it's a straight on shot to the table. It's easy, great. It actually caused more, not accidents, but more issues because dogs are so much faster coming off dog walks. There are more riding dog walks, rolling dog walks, however you want to call it. And they're not stopping before you get to that table. So here they are running a full, you know, 15 to 25 foot before the 36 foot dog walk. And then I have my contacts because I, you know, my tables, you know, at maximum range, got 25 foot off of uh, another piece of obstacle because that's how I design my courses. And so, you know, there's a good 55, 60 foot worth of pure speed going to a straight stop. On top of something that most dogs are not probably maybe not tall enough to actually see that there is a top of the table, they just see Mm -hmm. this thing that looks like a jump um, from the side of their Mm -hmm. point of view. And I saw a lot of dogs actually slide off the top of that table because either. They were going so fast, they didn't understand how to collect before they got to that. Or they hit it, and the tabletop was not uh, as much friction as it used to be, and the rubbers worn down, so it's slick. So they slide off the table at that point. So yeah, I mean, there's there's been things I have seen out there. Um, but I mean, admittedly now, I definitely do not do dog walk the table. I learned my lesson at one time, so that no longer actually cool. applies for me.
0: Right, but still. And one thing, you know, you got to think about, you know, the other equipment that we have in agility, like jumps are designed to fall apart if the dog hits them. Right, Contacts are designed to be nice and, as say, you know, solid, sturdy, but with good surface. We don't want them to fall apart when the dog hits them. The thing I think that's hard about the table, it needs to be super solid and sturdy, but the problem is if the dog misjudges it, then they're smacking themselves into something that's solid and sturdy. And unlike the contact equipment, which is designed for the dog to run over, they've got to stop. And so I think just your potential for injury is higher. And, you know, again, back when dogs were jogging around, you know, our dogs are running fast and they're running hard. And the thing is, is when you're running hard and you're making snap adjustments, it's easier to misjudge something and you know, if my dog misjudges a bar jump and hits it, I mean, not that it's pleasant, but the jump is going to fall down. Even if it's something like the panel, you know, whatever, it's going to fall down. It breaks away, which is good. We, and the, you know, there's still, there's innovations being made all the time in jumps. We can get it a whole, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is the jumps will fall apart. And the problem with the table is if you're in a situation, you can't have it so sturdy that they can hit it. And like you say, you're limited into how sturdy you can make it, how steady you can make it. Um, But also there are times when really it'd be better if the dumb thing would break away. Well, obviously you can't have that both ways. That's not possible. So, you know, it's just, you know, you just hate to see a dog come away hurt from something that maybe doesn't really need to be out there. Um, and I do understand, you know, probably the most solid argument I've heard for keeping it is that it gives the judge more options as far as getting to their next judging path, like moving along on their judging path to be able to go judge the next contact obstacle. And I, I am not a judge. Course design is not a strength of mine. But I I can appreciate that. But I also know that these same judges have to be able to judge Premier Standard. And there's no table in there. And so while I understand it may restrict you a little bit in some aspects, it's certainly possible because we have Premier. You know, I mean, how do you feel, do you feel as a judge who, you know, does this a fair amount, how difficult would it be for you to redo Masters Open novice courses that didn't have a table in them at all.
1: Honestly, it would take me about 30 seconds per course to realign my dog lines and put another jump or replace the table with the tunnel at that point and Mm -hmm. smooth out the course at that point. Um, But speaking of novice and open, um, I'm actually, I'm okay for novice and open, especially for the handlers to leave the table in there. Mostly because those dogs are probably not going nearly as fast as the Masters dogs because they're barely seasoned. They're green dogs still. And in reality, a lot of the novice open handlers are still green too. And to give them that break in standard, I I'm honestly okay with that part there. Eventually, yes, I would like to see it phased out completely, but if I'm willing to make a compromise of anything, I want to mm-hmm. get rid of it in master's class because the same master's dogs are going to be running premier. Why not just get rid of it at that point in time? I know that's going to have to mm-hmm. be recalculated for uh, standard course time. That's going to be at recalculate for what's the requirement for yards per second, as far as what is a qualifying score goes, stuff like that. But I mean, honestly, I think that's just going to bring it down to more what a jumpers with weave is going to be as far as sure. what standard course because there's no longer that five-second pause there, but speaking of the five-second pause, as a judge, I fully admit I am not going to be consistent from dog to dog, let alone day to day, because so many, it's a very emotional state there for me, because if your dog is not high drive and not running hard, my table count is going to be very much a five and four and Three and two and you know all the way down to the go. At that point, I didn't want to keep doing that one. But you know, if your dog is high drive, I'm hustling, you're hustling to get to the table. Yeah, my table counts five and four and three. It's not like I'm purposely doing it. It is just a natural reaction, and I'm not the only judge that does it because every time I have a rep that comes out and looks at me for judging, and they they calculate my count, my countdown for the table i'm on average between three and a half to four seconds so there's no consistency and okay that's just me for one weekend mm-hmm. let's look at some judges i know i have run underneath judges that are five four three two one go and i'm like wait wh- where am i going i didn't have a time right. even <laughs> <Yeah. about them." laughs> then i know there are some newer judges that are very inclined to be able to count a full five seconds and it drives me nuts like all right let's let's pick up the pace here Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know if you look at that throughout the entire weekend if you're looking at let's say dogs are going for invitationals and points matter at that second there what if the first second third fourth and fifth place dog are all divided by i know this is a long shot but let's just say they're divided by a handful of points. Is a judge that's a faster countdown. How many extra seconds are you getting because that dog's faster that judge is faster versus a judge that okay. is a true five-second countdown? I mean that could make or break there. And even further, let's look at bad dog agility. Let's look at their uh, their power score rankings there. Mm-hmm. Those seconds there can make a break, you know, whether or not you're actually on the, on the list for that particular quarter yep. there. So I think there's a lot of inconsistencies um, that the table does cause, not just from a safety aspect, but from a scoring standpoint as well as a judging mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts with the table.
0: Yeah. No. And I would agree with you. I don't think any judges out there trying to slow one person down or speed anybody up, but it is human nature to, you know, to, to have your rhythm speed up and slow down, depending on what's happening around you. I mean, I, I was a music major back in my non-dog life. And, you know, even a bunch of people that are supposed to be good at this following a conductor tended to want to rush or lag, depending on what was happening. And we were thinking about the music we were doing, not thinking about, oh, okay, did they hit that contact? Oh, was that a refusal? Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I have to move over here because I have to be in position to call this. Oh, and now five and four and three and two and one and go like, you know, it's just, that's, you know, that's, that's just, it's, I'm sure there are some that are more than more consistent than others. And I know everybody's trying to be the same, but you're right. Not going to be. And, you know, I've seen that it does come down to a couple of points here and there, whether you're going to invitationals or whether you're staying home. Well, that right. could be a couple of table accounts pretty easy you know
1: well exactly there and I'll give you um, actually one example for me as a judge comes to mind is I was out in New Hampshire um, at American Canine Center um, I probably butchered that but um, there is video of me where uh, Amber uh, McGune gets on the table with I forget which dog it was and she was just I don't know why she was excited she was just happy and for a reason, I just start clapping in the ring like it was the end of the run. I'm like, "Yay, yeah, good job!" I'm like, "Oh, oh, crap! Wait, hold on." That's Five, four. So, I mean, great if she's actually searching for points. I just shot her out three, four seconds there because I'm going, "Yay, good dog!" I'm like, oh, that's not... Fortunately, she's a good sport and she laughs and makes fun of me for it here and there, and we're we're good friends at yeah. uh, at competitions. But yeah, it's just you know, human nature can absolutely change the course of how things are done for counts and like stuff like that.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Well, and just even, you know, whether you, especially now, I mean, one thing that maybe made it more consistent when you had a specific position you had to be in is I think it made it easier for judges to all start their table count at the same time. Now that the count's supposed to happen as soon as the dog gets on the table again, you can have like a, a bit of a second you know there may be a bit of a lag before you're like oh yeah the dog's on the table you know and that can i mean it's just because we're people and it's a long day out there watching the same course over and over again and and anything you can do to even the playing field you know gone are the days where it's a surprise when somebody can actually do all the stuff you know <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you know what I mean. Like it's just the quality overall of people doing stuff has just gotten better. Our dogs are better trained. The handling is getting better. You know, it's not for most people that are, do this a lot. Qualifying on a course is not that hard. So the nitpicky stuff comes down to what makes the difference between you know and your points and your placements and all that kind of stuff. So.
1: Oh yeah. right, and I don't even remember if you if you even remember this part. But there used to be a wireless box that the judge would carry around with them to actually start the electronic countdown. So it was mm-hmm. guaranteed five seconds, but that was so short-lived. I mean, I was photographing at that point. I wasn't even judging, let alone I wasn't really even running at that point, and. I, I swear it lasted for a year and i mean a couple of people told me tonight that yeah there are some clubs that still have it but nobody uses it so i have yet to use it but if you think about it okay great yeah it's a guaranteed It's always five seconds it's electronic there is no if ands or buts for faults for that one but you still have the human error of when does that button get pushed
0: exactly well what if the dog hops on and off the table or what if you know and obviously right. in masters then the dog has failed at that point but still i mean sure. you know like you say there's just i mean it's sort of like when we used to i mean what's one of the reasons that we don't hand time agility anymore i mean i remember the days when you had two timers oh, sitting ringside right. yep. and they both kept yep. the time told you i was old and now, i
1: remember those you know, were back days
0: <laughs> you know and so it's like And how many times was there discrepancy in the time and how, you know, and that was a job I flatly refused to do back in the day because I knew I would either forget to start it or forget to stop it, especially long day. So, you know, we've done electronic timers to avoid that discrepancy. Right. Why not, you know, but but, I mean, but for me, the biggest thing and I would, probably go a step farther than you. I mean, you're being a little, you're being a lot more um, in the spirit of cooperation than I am because I'm sort of like for a safety aspect, I would like to see it just gone. And the reason I'd like to see it gone in novice and open as well, especially novice in a way, because you tend to have more space in novice because you have fewer obstacles. And a lot of times, especially if it's a nested course, stuff is basically just kind of coming out and being realigned a little bit. And so, yeah. Okay. You have some dogs that are still kind of maybe a little slower and maybe kind of being more cautious because they're green, but some of them are like, heck yeah, we're at a trial. This is exciting. And they're running and they have more steam built up to get there. Plus they're lacking maybe some experience to go, Oh, this is a table, even though it's not the table that I'm used to seeing. Well, that could be a bad combination. And then you have a young promising dog that maybe has an injury or a, a fear issue that can haunt them the rest of their career, you know?
1: Right. Like I know there was one person who had commented on one of my uh, threads for the table that said she missed out on nationals um, because she couldn't get double Q because of the table, because the dog had one bad incident and it's been PTSD for that dog, you know, forever at this point. So yeah. Is I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I would like to get rid of it completely, but I'm trying to play that nice card of all right, well, I'll right. sacrifice. I was open if I can get rid of it in Masters. Uh, that's, you know, like I said, I would still rather get rid of it completely, but if I can get rid of right. if I can get one thing, I'll just take it out of Masters. Right.
0: Well, hopefully, maybe it can go the way of the shoot and it just can be deemed maybe not the best choice for. Agility equipment and can just be relegated to the measuring area of the trial. Yes. And absolutely. that'll be all well and good.
1: Right. And one other point about the table, though, is that that is actually the one most inconsistent piece of equipment because it can vary on the types of legs. It can vary on the types of surfaces that you see. Whereas your other three pieces of context the A for the dog walking teeter. You know, you look at there, there may be a couple of manufacturers out there, but for the most part, it is going to be, that is the most inconsistent compared to the other uh, contacts out there. So that's another reason why I would like to get rid of it too, is because I, you know, it needs to be consistent so that way when we train dogs at home, it's going to be the same, maybe not always the same, but very close to the same mm-hmm. at a trial at that point. Because how do you, how do you train for something that, you can't train for. It's it's impossible no. here. Because, um, you know, going back to Nationals this year, um, very interesting that we had two uh, equipment makers. We had Max um, Agility. We had Mad, uh, Mad 200 or Max 200 and Mad Agility. Uh, we had rubberized contacts on half of the rings, uh, three of the six rings. And we had, well, they claim painted rubber, um, but, you know, I feel it and it feels more like it's, really coarser than dog's feet. So there are truly two separate types of contact equipment that Mm -hmm. were used at nationals um, for my dogs. I have rubber Mm -hmm. contacts at home and 95% of trials I have been to that I have judged or I have run my dogs at have been rubberized contacts. So it really surprised me that we would have an inconsistency at a big national Mm -hmm. event like that. So, but neither here nor there, it's just, point out the differences into you know with the most inconsistent piece of equipment which would be the table at this rate there right um, well and at least it, the
0: nationals. okay you have different the contacts are made of different stuff but they still are going to look the same to the dog and they're going to be the same right. length the same size whereas the table a lot of times even the visual for the dog approaching it is different and very different sometimes you know and that, you know, so at least the dog, it may feel funny to him. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you train on one type of equipment and trial on another one, especially the first time, the dog may go, ooh, what's this? But at least the dimensions, the specifics, the visual is n- should not throw the dog off. Um, right. So, you know. Yeah. So just kind of, yeah, there's going to be differences, there's going to be inconsistencies, but the table, you're right, I agree with you, it's probably the most inconsistent as far as, what, from the dog's perspective, what it is they're experiencing when they take the obstacle.
1: Yeah, absolutely here. Well, I think that about wraps up tonight for, uh, for us for now, but, uh, make sure you join us next time, uh, because we do have, uh, quite a few guests. It's going to be our biggest podcast that we've, uh, ever done so far out of the six or seven episodes that we've recorded so far. We're going to have, uh, three of the, Members of the Junior Open Agility World Championship team that are just going over to England uh, this year, and they will also be joined uh, by uh, who's going to be two coaches or who's going to be at least
0: on one there? coach, hopefully two. It just depends. Definitely, having head coach Susan Cochran on there, possibly assistant coach Deb Schulman. Hopefully, it will work in her schedule. So, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to have juniors and coaches, and it's going to be it's going to be a great interview. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yep, definitely here. Well, join us next time here, and we will see you uh, you on the flip side.
0: Have a great week, and leave us your comments. We want to hear from you.